This is the time of year where we often bring on people to discuss a look back at the year that was and a look to the next year that's on the way. We're going to chat with um, Dr. Lisa Young, who's a political science professor at the University of Calgary, about the year that was in politics. And Dr. Young, uh, it really was quite a year in politics, whether you look at the municipal level, the provincial level, or the federal level for Albertans. It was a wild year politically. It absolutely was. I would say that the provincial uh, level was the most wild, but, uh, you know, it's an open question. You're absolutely right. Let's let's just start at the top and then work our way down. Let's start federally, um, taking a look at the federal government. And, uh, of course, we had the federal election and some other issues to deal with. But I think first and foremost, for any politician or anybody in the world throughout the course of 2021, of course, it was the pandemic and management of the pandemic. Um, And the Liberal government hasn't taken too many hits with the way they've handled it, but how would you characterize their pandemic management in 2021 and what it did to them in terms of their political mandate? Well, you know, I I think that uh, the federal government has basically handled the pandemic pretty well. They've had the advantage of being responsible for some areas of pandemic management where it's, it's, easier to perform well, where you're not going to be blamed for failures by the electorate. So, um, you know, they managed to get uh, vaccine supply going. It was slow at first, yeah. but they, they performed well on that front. And I think that certainly, you know, helped them politically and, and in the election. Um, you know, they were certainly there, um, you know, this year and, and last with uh, the financial supports that were needed that we're likely to see, you know, being extended or reinvented today. Um, so on that front, you know, the, the performance has been quite positive. So given all of that, you know, the fact that they weren't able to turn their minority government into a majority government really does say that they, they've got some political struggles ahead of them. Yeah, I mean, assessing the year in politics for the federal government of Canada, that's what it comes down to. You called an election because you wanted to move from minority to majority territory. And didn't. That has to be the overriding, um, you know, final grade for the Liberal government of Canada. You failed trying to get the majority. Really fail, right? Because right? you're still you government. End up on the opposition benches, you know, it's, it's sort of a draw. They're, they're no further ahead. They've got a you know a little more time to govern, um, but certainly they didn't do what they they set out to do under conditions that really should have been pretty favorable for them. Do you think you know this mandate? We never know with the minority government. They usually last a couple of years. Uh, is that what we're expecting with this new one? I mean, who knows with the pandemic? I mean, it's good in some ways for a politician, and it's bad in some ways because it really does create a lot of uncertainty. But that can be a good thing because the expectations can change too. Yeah, I mean, I, I think after this experience, um, the, the Liberal government would not be rushing to call yeah. another election on their own. So that really means that the decision power is in the hands of the opposition parties, you know, some combination of them. And right now there's no opposition party that is in any kind of shape to uh, uh, trigger an election. So I think that the Liberals are fine to continue governing for two years and, and possibly longer. On the other side of the aisle, uh, of course, it's also a failure if you're the Conservative Party of Canada that you didn't manage to win even a minority government. And there's a lot of questions about Aaron O'Toole. What do they look like going forward? Does does he last as leader until the next election? That is a fascinating question. And, you know, certainly some of the uh, stories that are coming out of the caucus, 
that suggest that the caucus is divided, but in a remarkably complicated way. It's not just, you know, social conservatives versus fiscal conservatives or, you know, former reformers versus former progressive conservatives. There, there are all kinds of factions that are, you know, concerned about other issues. There's stories coming out of the caucus about, you know, uh, authoritarian caucus management techniques. So none of this looks like a set of circumstances that uh, is particularly favorable for O'Toole to hang on. That having been said, the Conservatives have had, you know, two leadership contests in a fairly limited period of time. And, you know, the, the idea that you keep going back to the well and see if, you know, next time you'll get the leader that can win um, may not be a successful strategy for them. So I think watching what the Conservative Party does, whether they decide to, you know, rally behind Aaron O'Toole and think about how to become more electorally viable or whether they think that it's just a leadership issue and they, you know, should have another leadership contest will be fascinating to watch. Yeah, and it's a continuous struggle, there's no doubt. And of course, it's playing out at the provincial level as well. I'll ask you to hold on for a minute, Doc. We'll take a quick break and come back and then translate how many of the same battles that the federal Conservatives are facing are being faced by Conservatives here in Alberta too. We'll do that right after this. Taking a look at the year in politics with Dr. Lisa Young, a political science professor at the University of Calgary. And uh, Dr. Young, we talked about the federal situation and, you know, we ended talking about Aaron O'Toole's leadership and how the leader of the federal Conservative Party is under a bit of pressure. And we all know that that translates very well in Alberta, where the leader of the UCP party, Jason Kenney, also under some pressure and has been right throughout 2021. Absolutely. I I was thinking back today to this time last year when I think we didn't really understand some of the uh, internal issues within the the UCP caucus. And, you know, hints started coming out um, with the Aloha Gate uh, controversy when, you know, it, it started to be clear that, you know, maybe people inside the caucus weren't listening to the leader, that there were internal caucus management issues. And, and then, you know, Every week, it seems, uh, since then, we've seen more and more evidence of internal dissent in, in, you know, at, at a magnitude that is really unusual in a Canadian governing political party. Yeah, I mean, this time last year, we were all about to be rocked by which, you know, in reality is not that big of a deal, but it is the Hawaii vacations. That was the big thing. And that's where we started to see the fractures in the caucus really come to light. And it seemed to only spiral since then. Do you think over the course of the year, and we know what happened with the AGM uh, last month, has he managed to put a lid on that fire? Or is that something that's still smoldering and could break out at any time? I think it is absolutely still smoldering. Um, we've got Brian Jean ready to go on his uh, cross-province uh, tour, uh, you know, now that he's been nominated as a, a candidate, and he is going to go and try to rally the troops to ensure that uh, Premier Kenny is not uh, successful in the leadership review. But even if Kenny survives the leadership review, I think that he's not out of the woods because um, the the caucus 
still is able to push a leader out, I think, under ex- uh, extreme circumstances. And uh, if, if the party doesn't improve in the polls, I, I think what we'll see is that the UCP MLAs face the prospect of going into an election, you know, with a leader with a 22 uh, percent yeah. approval rating. And, and they'll just say, no, we can't do this. So, um, you know, the challenges for the premier coming up this spring, I think, are quite significant. Um, he, of course, if he survives the leadership review this spring, then he'll have bought himself a year to head into an, the next election. The polling numbers that you mentioned, the 22% uh, historic lows, um, typically would spell the end of any leader anywhere in the country. Um, is it COVID that brought him down there? I mean, is there other complicating factors? Why did the premier, who not that long ago had two-thirds of the province firmly backing him and giving him a huge majority now suddenly crater down to 22%. Well, you know, that that is the million-dollar question here. And, uh, you know, if we can imagine a, a world without COVID, right, um, had provincial politics taken place without the, the COVID crisis, you know, I, I do think that the UCP would still be facing, um, you know, so, some troubles, mm-hmm. uh, both internally. Um, you know, the, the merger of the two parties, I think, has, has never really gelled in the way that you would expect. Um, but also, you know, if we look at some of the other items on the UCP's agenda, where they really are, I think, out of line with the views of many Albertans, including people who, who voted for them. Um, so if we think about the uh, social studies curriculum, which has certainly yes. been highly controversial, um, if, if we think about, you know, the issues around parks, around development for coal, you know, those are areas where we see people who often would have voted for the UCP or for, you know, conservative-leaning parties really moving away from the party. And and there's been sort of this, this approach of, you know, not backing down until quite recently on these kinds of issues, just pushing ahead. And I think even without COVID, this would have meant that, you know, we would have seen maybe the UCP and the NDP neck and neck in the polls. Mm-hmm. But COVID has certainly made a, a profound difference. Um, I, I think that, you know, the loss of trust that we've seen um, is in government is uh, is carrying over. So now there's a skepticism. If if we can't trust the provincial government to manage the COVID situation, then we need to examine with skepticism everything else that they're trying to do. And so I think that you know this has has really been the the critical factor in this quite remarkable drop in the polls. Yeah, it really is historic. Um- the other question is, as we talked about, with the internal pull and push that takes place in conservative parties, as we're seeing federally, and now we're talking about provincially, um, the Brian Jean by-election, which I think he's very likely going to win uh, coming up in the next month or so here, two months, I guess, um, does that further fracture the party? Does that give... Um, you know, and he's, his stated goal, Dr. Young, as you know, he only has one plank in his platform, and that's to get rid of Jason Kenney as leader of the UCP party. He wants that job. Um, does that further that divide when the premier's trying so hard to tie everything together and keep everybody in the same big tent? Uh, does he just throw the doors wide open and now we've got people retreating to opposite sides of the same party? Yeah, I mean, one of the things that we've seen over the past year is that at times when 
we've really needed the provincial government to be sharply focused on the the, the challenges that are uh, posed by COVID. Instead, we've seen um, a lot of attention on internal party issues, right? Um, and that's taken up as much bandwidth as, as managing the crisis. And so having Brian Jean entering into the caucus, rallying the troops, you know, running against the premier, um, we're once again going to see, you know, the government with its attention divided, um, you know, airing its dirty laundry in public in, in many ways. Um, you know, I, I think that that the Premier may end up regretting his decision to sign uh, Mr. Dean's nomination papers mm-hmm. and, and allow him to run under the party banner. On the other side of the aisle in the legislature, it's pretty much a dream position to be in if you're opposition, where you see um, the governing party just one day after another causing themselves problems and watching their approval ratings plummet. Um, it's pretty simple to be opposition in Alberta right now, isn't it? Well, yes, I, I think, you know, Rachel Notley has uh, certainly benefited from uh, the the troubles of the UCP government. I, I think the challenge for her, and this becomes more and more of a challenge as we get closer to the provincial election, is to, you know, look not like an opposition leader, but a premier in waiting. These are the things that my government would do. This is the plan that we have to move the province beyond the the difficult situation that that we found ourselves in. And, And so she needs to, you know, walk that line between criticism and positioning herself as the next premier, um, quite carefully, I think. Thomas Dang, this announcement that came up yesterday, I'm having a hard time trying to uh, to figure out exactly what went on there, because he's sort of saying, yeah, I told him that I did this, but RCMP don't execute search warrants for people that told them what they... I mean, uh, uh, do you fully understand? Is this a serious situation for the NDP? I don't understand. Yeah, okay. um, th- there are some missing pieces. Um, you know, what I will say is that I, I think that uh, Rachel Notley dealt with it well in saying, look, we don't know, but we've asked him to step out of caucus just to be on, you know, the, the right side of things, right? Um, yeah. So I think she handled it as well as she could. And, you know, that kind of swift action, if there is an issue here, I think will will insulate the NDP a bit. Yeah, and, we, and again, we're not even sure what the issue might be, but we'll find out soon exactly. enough for sure. Yeah. Um, looking ahead to 2022, of course, it's going to be another crazy year, especially provincially, as we said, Brian Jean, leadership review, getting ready for an election next spring. Uh, it, it's just going to continue day after day with more wild political news, I would think, right? Are you expecting a crazy 2022? Absolutely. I mean, I think just the internal politics of the UCP is going to be an absolutely fascinating thing to watch. Excellent. And Dr. Young, we will check in with you throughout the year. Um, In the meantime, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. All the best. And to you too. Thanks very much. That's Dr. Lisa Young, who is a political science professor at the University of Calgary, a frequent guest here.